Canby New Life Foursquare Church welcomes you. We're located at 2350 Southeast Territorial Road, just off Highway 99E. We hope the following message will be a blessing to you. If you're our guest, please don't feel obligated to give. That's just something that we who call New Life our church home, uh, that we feel a responsibility to do. So let's pray and uh, ask God to bless our offering this evening. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your presence in our lives and in this time together tonight that we have. And Lord, as we've ministered to you in song, we pray that you would bless us through the ministry of the word and through the things that we're going to hear tonight. And Lord, too, we ask that you'd bless this offering for those who can give, for those who cannot. Lord, we just pray that you would bless in Jesus' name. Amen. So I hope you're enjoying this summer weather and uh, something that we often do during the summer months here at New Life is that we take some time and um, remind you of the fact that we have several people who are involved in world missions, uh, either on a short-term basis or long-term career missionaries. And so uh, as some of you know, Kathy and I were missionaries in Alaska for 15 years, and so we understand what it's like to be on that end of things. And uh, it's always been our privilege since we've come back home here to Canby and to New Life Foursquare to advocate for our missionaries. And, you know, one of the problems that missionaries deal with is there's this saying, out of sight, out of mind. Because we don't see them oftentimes here, we think, oh, well, they're okay, they're doing fine, and... And we really don't know the challenges that they face on a foreign field. And so it's really good, it's healthy for us as a church to hear firsthand what God is doing with them and through them in these uh, faraway places and uh, get a better idea of some of the challenges and the needs that they have. Uh, Something that we read about in the book of Acts, in fact, if you study the life of Paul, you'll notice that every time he took a missionary journey... He always returned to the Jerusalem church and the church in Antioch. The Jerusalem church was the headquarters of the Jewish church. The church in Antioch was sort of a Gentile church headquarters. And he was always going back to those two places to give a report and to be accountable to those who sent him out. And so we're going to have them share, some of our missionaries share with you here tonight so you can hear that report, be encouraged by what God is doing through their lives. Uh, We have been in a series for some time entitled The Touchable Jesus, The Touchable Church. Uh, In our study of The Touchable Jesus, we, we went through the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and looked at how Jesus touched people. But as we're looking at the touchable church, it makes sense to see what God did through the early church in the book of Acts. And we're going to continue that uh, tonight. I've given this a title, Touching the World with God's Outstretched Hand. And if you have your Bibles uh, with you here tonight, with you here, I would encourage you and invite you to turn to Acts chapter 4. Um. As we look at this chapter, we're seeing another step that the church took in its early days. And as we look at this chapter, we're going to see some of the challenges that these first missionaries faced in the city of Jerusalem. Before I read a passage from Acts chapter 4, I want to just take a moment and think a little bit about what God has entrusted to us. As Christians, it's an amazing thing to me that God has seen fit to entrust the gospel message to us. Um, This message of salvation, the message of how a person's sins can be forgiven, how they can change their destiny from hell to heaven, He's left that message in our hands. Um, It would have seemed much more practical to me, for God to give his angels that job. I mean, I would think that, you know, they can travel. They don't need airplanes to travel, angels. They can just fly to one place or the other. And God could say, all right, I need you over here. I need you over here. Tell them how to be saved. And, you know, they have their angels are powerful. They can do miraculous sorts of things. They have God's power. 
And so it would seem a lot more reasonable for God to give that job to angels to preach the gospel. But he, he didn't do that. In fact, as you read through the book of Acts, you'll notice that angels never preach the gospel. They are messengers who give instructions of how the person who needs to hear, how they can hear from another human being. This gospel message, it's interesting as you read through that. It would also seem a lot more practical for God himself to show up and go to a person and say, uh, would you like to be saved? Would you like to have your sins forgiven? Would you like to be with me in heaven forever? It would seem really more practical for God himself to appear to you and give you that op offer and that opportunity. But he's given that job to you. So that a person who comes to saving faith is not forced into that decision. See, God has given us the responsibility of preaching the gospel so that loving and worshiping God would be a faith decision and not something we're coerced or pressured to do. See, when one of you or I go to someone and talk to them about Christ or about how to be saved, the person needs to have a faith response. So that if they choose to find Christ and receive salvation and to worship and love God, that's a, that's a choice that they've made. They weren't pressured into that. They weren't coerced into it. It was something they chose to do as an act of faith. To me, it's an incredible and weighty responsibility that God has given us to preach that message, to share that good news. And it's an assignment that isn't optional. It's not optional for us as a Christian. That's why we're still here. Maybe you've wondered that. Why are you on planet Earth now? Why are you still here? The reason that you are still here, there's two reasons. One is because God wants to form His character in you. He wants you to become like Christ. To change all of us from being a selfish, self-centered person to be someone who can love and care and serve others. Jesus left us that example. When he washed the disciples' feet, he says, I've left you an example. Wash other people's feet too. Serve them. Love them. So that's the one reason why you're here, is that God is in the process of transforming you, from changing you and me from glory to glory by the Spirit of the Lord. That's one reason you're here. The other reason you're still here, and that God just didn't take you to heaven the minute you believed, is because he's asking you, will you represent who I am to people who don't know me yet? Would you use me to be an would you use, God, would you use me to be an ambassador, someone that you can speak through to share this message of love and forgiveness? So Jesus commanded us to go into all the world to preach the gospel and make disciples, because Jesus Christ is the only person who can forgive our sins and give us the gift of eternal life. That's our, that's our commission. That's our job that we've been given to do. So if you wonder, why am I still here on earth? Reason number one is for you to become more like Jesus. Full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The fruits of the Spirit. Transformed by the Spirit of God from glory to glory. That's the first reason. The second is as you're changed... And people see you, they begin to see who God is and what He's really like. So, where you work, that's your mission field. Where you live, that's your mission field. Your family, that's your mission field. We all have a mission field and an assignment. Some of our assignments are right here in the United States in the cities of Canby, Malala, Oregon City, or Woodburn, or wherever we happen to come from. That may be your mission field. For some others, their mission field is, is far away in another land. In the early church, people took this assignment extremely seriously to the point that they were willing to suffer rejection and persecution, even die for Christ's sake and for his righteousness. And this passage in Acts chapter 4 I want to read is it describes this passion that these early disciples had. 
It describes how they were willing to risk excommunication, rejection, and persecution to preach the gospel. Now, last weekend, as I shared, I was talking about how God healed this lame man at the temple through Peter and John. How Peter and John touched this man and God through them caused this man who'd been lame his entire life to be miraculously healed. What we didn't talk about was what happened after that healing occurred. Because that was such a miraculous event, it gathered such a crowd, thousands came to faith in Christ. What then happened is Peter and John were arrested by the religious order. Acts chapter 4, verses 5 through 20, now describes, as we look at this passage, how they responded when they were put on trial. Luke records these words. He said, It came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name or authority have you done this? Speaking of the miracle of the healing of this man. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Um, Do you notice that Peter is using this as an opportunity to preach the gospel? That's all one long sentence. He got the whole gospel in one sentence. Did you notice that? Death, resurrection, and by the way, you're responsible. Okay? You're responsible for crucifying your Messiah. So I think there was a bit of conviction. All right, so then he moves on. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled. Would you highlight and underline this next sentence? And they realized that they had been with Jesus. I love that verse. They realized, why are these guys, these untrained, uneducated men, how is it that they're so bold? How is it that they can talk to us this way? Oh, yes, they've been with Jesus. That's exactly why you're still here. So that people look at you and they say, oh, you've been with Jesus. There's something different about you. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's what it means to be an ambassador. To speak the things that you have seen, the things that you have heard, the things that God has done in you and through you and with you. Just share your testimony. That's the most powerful message that you can ever tell anybody about. Just be you. And let Jesus shine through. These first Christians understood that they had a mandate from Jesus himself to tell people about this good news. And when they were put in the position of whether they would submit to a religious authority or to God's authority, they said, you know what, we have to obey God rather than you. Because if we obey you, we're disobeying God. We're obligated to continue preaching, and that's what they did. They went right out and continued to preach. And they told these people in no uncertain terms, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name, no other religion on the face of the earth by which you can be saved. Only Jesus Christ can forgive our sins. And that's the only good news that's out there today. 
This weekend, I'm so excited that we are going to hear from missionaries who have committed their lives to sharing this good news, who are willing to leave family and friends and homeland and go to foreign countries where they don't speak the same language, the cultures are very different, to be God's ambassadors, to be His outstretched hand to touch a world that needs to hear this message. The first missionaries are two that you're very familiar with, Ron and Annette. And uh, for those of you who have uh, been tracking their travels recently, last month they had an opportunity to go to Germany. And um, God has really opened a door of opportunity for them to minister in Germany and not only to some of the churches there, some of the four-square churches, but also to invest in those who are church planters and in the national board. The first slide that you're about to see is a picture of one family that, is, uh, that planted a four-square church in Germany about three years ago. And uh, we need to just take a moment and understand something about Europe and Germany in particular. Um, Europe has become a very spiritually dark place. And Christianity is being overwhelmed by and, and basically diminished in many countries. Churches are closing. Uh, they're becoming mosques in some countries. And Germany is, is especially dark in light of its post-war history, World War II. Uh, the German people, many of them, have um, suffered greatly under the stigma of Nazi Germany. And even to this day, they're trying to recover from the aftermath of that. And so uh, Foursquare has been planting churches there uh, in this country. The next slide shows the national board. Uh, these men are given oversight of the churches. I think there's around 40 churches. And most of you, I think, know that Ron and Annette have been given a great gift in terms of leadership and in terms of uh, encouraging other leaders. And so they've invited Ron and Annette to come to Germany uh, several times over the last few years to just invest in these, these pastors who are in many cases facing very discouraging situations. It's uh, sort of uh, trying to break up fallow ground, if you will, very hard ground, and to plant good seed in that ground is taking a lot of effort and labor. But the church is growing uh, as you look at this next slide, you'll notice this German flag. Uh, until recently, many Germans wouldn't even uh, have their flags on display. Fourth of July here in America, you see American flags everywhere. We're pr quite proud of our history and our heritage. There, not so much. They're still trying to come out under the shadow of what they ha had done 60 years ago. Uh, in terms of this country, it's much like what we have here in Oregon, uh, vineyards, a lot like the Willamette Valley, very beautiful countryside, and they do love soccer. Uh, Germany, if you follow the World Cup, <laughs> came in third. And so they, uh, they are quite rabid about, we, I guess it's football they call it over there. It's not soccer. I, you know, you, we call it soccer here, but it's literally, they call that football in that part of the world. So they're, they're quite ecstatic here over Germany's victories. But anyway, Ron and Annette really have been given a great opportunity to minister in that part of the world. And I know they, want, they couldn't be here this weekend, but they wanted me to share a bit with you about how God has opened that door of opportunity for them in uh, this very dark portion of Europe. Um, the next missionaries we want to hear from are Jack and Linda Gustafson. They are here. If you don't know Jack and Linda... Maybe you're new to New Life. Jack and Linda were the ones who started New Life Foursquare Church a little over 30 years ago. I guess it's what 32 or 3 years ago, 32 years ago now. And uh, they planted this church. They started it. And it used to be the Willamette Savings and Loan met in the basement then to Ackerman Junior High. And Kathy and I attended New Life Foursquare Church in Ackerman Junior High in 1981 to 82. Um, long before we bought this property and moved, uh, moved the church over to this location. But what, what you need to know about Jack and Linda is um, they've always been involved in planting churches and they've always had a heart for missions. Um, since the very first time we met them, um, we always knew that they had a heart for missions. And after le they left New Life, they went to plant a church in Florida and then went as missionaries to Brazil for several years 
Now they live in Florida and are still ministering in Brazil. They go back and forth. It's cheaper to live in Florida than it is in Brazil. So the, the mission dollars go further and they can actually do more in Brazil by living in Florida. So they go back and forth and minister to the leaders there. But they are just doing a tremendous work in Brazil, and we're so glad to have them come and share a bit of what God has been doing through them in Brazil. So, Jack, if you would come, would you welcome Pastor Jack? Linda, would you stand so everybody can see you? Praise the Lord. Blessings to you, Jack. Thank you. Well, good night, everybody. It's good to see you. Good night doesn't mean it's time to go home. That's just the way, the way we do it in Brazil. Good evening, everyone. It's so great to be with you again. It's always a real privilege to be able to come back home and, and touch base with you. And I, I, we're so grateful and honored that you guys have an interest in what we're doing. And uh, I know it goes beyond just the fact that we're founding pastors of the church, but it's the fact that you guys have a mission's heart as well and would like to see the world reached with the gospel of Jesus, that you stand behind us, and we're grateful to you, and thank you for it. Every, uh, every trip down is um, a little different, has a different dynamic, kind of a different flavor. And the last trip to Brazil was in May, and I went down without Linda this time as we just didn't have the funds for both of us to go and, and uh, some other conflicts. And so I went down and spent two weeks in Belém, where we used to live, in, in the state of Pará, which is at the, the mouth of the, of the Amazon River. It's a state that has grown tremendously in, in terms of the gospel. It's a whole different story than, than Germany. In Brazil, you're going to see a video clip in just a moment. In Brazil, you'll see a, a, a whole different dynamic in the, in the lives of the churches and an openness in, the, in society to the gospel and to evangelical churches than they have in Europe. And so it's much easier in that sense. The challenging part is that the churches have grown so rapidly that they, uh, they need desperately to train leaders and to uh, put them in positions of ministry. And they're doing that, and they have a heart for it, and that's why Linda and I go down. But I went down without her this last trip, and there's, I was thinking about the, the, uh, uh, the other day about the trip and kind of what were the key characteristics of this trip that not necessarily different from other trips, but that stood out to me. And there were three words. The first one is enthusiasm. Second one is faithfulness of God. That's three words I know. And the third point, the third thing that's, that, uh, that really uh, uh, impressed me about this last trip was the recognition, once again, of the great value of printed material to put into the hands of the pastors and leaders down in Brazil. The enthusiasm is amazing. In just two, moment, two minutes or less than two minutes, you're going to see a little video clip that will illustrate to you uh, the kind of reception that we receive when we go down, the kind of open heart that people have, especially the leaders in churches, have to receiving anything that they can get from us in terms of teaching and material and an encouragement in their ministry. Uh, I went to the city of Braganza, which is a city out in the interior of Pará, for the first seminar in this last trip, and it was uh, a place that we've been to three or this might have been the fourth trip, third or fourth trip there. Each time we see that the church has pretty much doubled in size from the previous time that we were there. And uh, each time there's just an incredible open response to to us coming to town and and sharing with them whatever God has laid on our hearts. For this trip, like the trip in, in November and, and December, uh, I took with me a book that I did called Armed and Dangerous, in Portuguese, of course. And it's a book about spiritual warfare. The Lord had impressed upon me prior to that trip in November that he wanted me to teach on spiritual warfare. And uh, so I did that again this trip. And, and uh, this church was ready and prepared to, to be encouraged in the area of we can stand against the enemy, we can defeat him, we can gain ground again for the kingdom of God. And it's really significant in that city because in Braganza, the, uh, the uh, evangelical church, first evangelical church that was planted in Braganza was about 100 years ago by the Assembly of God. And when they came to town and started their church and people began to flock to their church, the only other church in town was the Catholic Church. And the Catholic priests began to oppose what was going on in the evangelical church, began to persecute the pastors, began to uh, influence the city authorities to arrest and imprison the, the Assembly of God pastors and other evangelical pastors, and had open public burning of evangelical Bibles in the public square in the city. Well, today, the evangelical churches are, 
are smoking hot. They are growing. Like I said, they're doubling in size. The four square, this wasn't the four square church that I did the seminar in, but the four square church there is just booming right now as well, growing rapidly. And, uh, and you'll see, go ahead and, uh, hit play on that video. I want them to see kind of what things are like in Braganza. typical response to not only an anticipation of what we're going to do in a seminar, but response of the people during the seminar, at the end of the seminar, and no, I can't dance and jump the way they do. I tried. I had to cut that part out of the clip because the camera was doing this, but uh, uh, there are several things you might have noticed. One is a lot of young people, and these guys are all leaders. They're all leaders in that church, leaders of cell groups, leaders of uh, departments in the church, uh, youth, uh, Sunday school, different things. Uh, almost all of them are leaders, and they're young, and they're enthusiastic, and they're open to hear and receive what the Lord wants. The second word, which probably should be the first one, the second thing that impressed me so much about this trip was, once again, the faithfulness of the Lord. God is so faithful to take anyone who's willing to go and, and do something through them. Sometimes we feel really inadequate coming from another language, another culture, speaking in Portuguese, and I, they say we're fluent, but still it's it's not an easy thing to do, and we... You feel your inadequacies, and you just once again are so amazed at the faithfulness of God for not only opening the door, bringing them there, but also for giving you the words and the ability and the anointing to speak and minister the things that, that need to be received. It's just a, it was just a wonderful experience. I did uh, three seminars on the trip, spoke uh, four times in churches in addition to the in, in regular services, in addition to the seminars, taught probably between eight and ten hours in the seminars total. And uh, had the privilege of, of uh, addressing a large group of pastors, four square pastors in the city of Beleng, about 300 to 350 pastors who were there. It did a kind of a mini seminar of the same subject with them. Their response was similar. I didn't have the video camera there with me or anyone to use it, so I don't have it recorded. But their response was very similar. They were so encouraged and enthused. They would get on their feet and clap and applaud and praise the Lord. And at the end of the service, they, they just mass, uh, uh, they just uh, stampeded the platform to, uh, to purchase the book and to have me sign it for them and, and the whole thing. The third thing that I want to mention is that the, the, the written word is extremely valuable. Recently, it used to be that we did just syllabuses for our seminars, but a few years ago I decided to put them into book form like that. Simple book, eight and a half by five and a half, not expensive to produce, uh, but it, it has much more value to them because it's a book. It lasts longer because of the way it's bound and the way it's covered and so on in that tropical climate, but, but it also has much more uh, uh, credibility to them to have it in a book form. Constantly we hear... Every single trip, we hear someone come up and say, I'm still using such and such a book from whenever it was and teaching and uh, my own people or my leaders with it. We are so grateful to the Lord that he's given us the privilege and the opportunity and the ability to put this stuff together. It's not easy. It's hard to find someone to translate into Portuguese. That book, I wrote it in Portuguese myself, and then they had to have two different people, two different times correct it. 
I'm on my, it'll be the third printing, this next printing. Hopefully it's pretty much corrected. Um, my bigger book, Profile of a Leader, is finally translated and just about, uh, they're just about finished edit, editing it and it'll be printed and distributed in Brazil. I'm doing another book that is, I'm taking a syllabus that we did do before on a, a study on spiritual gifts and putting it into book form and, and all of this is, uh, um, is not easy. And every time we go down, we have to scrape, sacrifice some things, scrape together all the pennies we can to spend the $1,200, $1,500, whatever it is, to print the books, produce them, and, and uh, haul them down with us in order to sell them to the folks in the seminars. We could, we could use your help. If you want to have, if you want to extend yourself even more than you already have on our behalf, in the area of helping us print books and material and getting it down there to them. Um, talk to us afterwards in the lobby. We'd love to hear from you. But thank you again for your support and for your care for us, and we're very, very grateful. Thank you again, Pastor Al, for your continual uh, advocacy for missions. Thanks, Jeff. Before you go, Mike. Uh, just so that we can be praying, when will you be thinking about another trip? Well... The next trip was supposed to be right now. In fact, it's supposed to be in Rio de Janeiro right now. But the pastor's retreat of 500 pastors that they say I'm going to be uh, uh, speaking to has been postponed until the third weekend of August. So that still isn't confirmed. So by faith, the third mm-hmm. weekend of okay. August. If not, I'm not exactly sure. Good. All right. Well, we'll be praying and keep us posted. All right. Good. Thanks, Jack. Uh, I want to invite Arlene Tatum to the platform now. Um, Arlene, as you know, for those of you who have been here at New Life for a while, you know that God has opened another door of opportunity. And by the way, that's a biblical phrase. Paul used that often in his letters, that God has opened a door. And literally, that's what it is, is a door of opportunity to Germany, to Brazil. And God has miraculously opened a door for you into Rwanda. And uh, Arlene just returned. uh, What was it? First part of June, right? Earliest part of June 19th. June 19th, she came back from Rwanda. And um, I think you're going to be pretty amazed by what God has done through this amazing little lady right here. So Arlene, blessings to you as you share with us what God did on this latest trip. Well, it's really hard to believe that my first trip to Rwanda was in 2005. And International Reconciliation Ministries, known as IRM, uh, was formed and became an official ministry of this church in 2008. Maracose Chane, thank you very much um, for serving alongside me with your prayers and support for my seventh trip to Rwanda. Rwanda is located in Central Africa, and this May was the first time IRM led our own ministry team to Rwanda, where we remain partnered with Prison Fellowship there. And accompanying me on this trip was Pastor Roger, John, Pastor Dorothea, and Tanya from the Foursquare Church in uh, Klamath Falls. But it was so exciting to see God... Um, expand the ministry that he's called IRM to do in Rwanda. And I'd like to share just three of those new opportunities of ministry that he provided on this trip. The Holy Spirit implemented the vision that uh, for prisons that he gave me three years ago. That was to have three-day trainings for pastors who've been in prison since 1994 genocide, most of those without a trial, And many of these pastors do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And because of that fact, the trainings needed to be a combination of evangelism and discipleship. The second part for prisons was a conference for women prisoners. And this pilot program began in the three prisons that I've worked at the longest in Rwanda. That was Sinda Prison, Ralima Prison, and the 1930 Central Prison. Um, This is the first day of the training at Relima Prison where 70 spiritual leaders from various religious groups and denominations attended. These pastors needed to be taught the fundamentals of the faith from God's word, 
not denominational teachings. The Holy Spirit this day impacted everyone, from Muslims who removed their caps on the third day of training as a matter of respect to the evangelical teachers, to some of the ever-present guards who made a recommitment to Christ, along with the 30 pastors at this facility who received God's gift of salvation for the very first time. After uh, completing the three-day training, each pastor received a certificate of completion um, in an open prison assembly. And I personally witnessed one Muslim man as he came along the line and received a certificate, and I spoke God's blessing over him. When he got to Pastor Roger, he went, Jesus, and frowned, no, Jesus, here. And that was a Muslim man. And um, the importance of the certificate is huge. Um, in a final hour of training at Cinda Prison, one of the prison pastors uh, was commanded to go to the warden's office that he was, in fact, being released that day. And he went and packed his meager belongings, put his street clothes on, went to the warden's office and got his discharge papers, and then he re-entered the prison where he could receive his certificate at the certificate ceremony. That's how important that was to him. One example of the impact for the women's conference, we were, uh, I was walking between some of the women. We were handing, I was handing out scarves, and a woman reached up and grabbed my arm. And I looked down at her as she said through the interpreter, thank you for coming. I believe in what IRM is doing in our, the country of Rwanda. And I want you to give you my tithe to use in your ministry. I don't think we'll know this side of heaven, the true impact we've had on these prisoners. But without exceptions, the wardens asked IRM to return more than once a year to come back as often as we would like. And one, the wardens had these statements to say about our ministry there. IRM is the first organization to bring various denominations and religious groups together in peace and harmonious coexistence. Your reconciliation efforts and biblical trainings are not denominational. These trainings are exactly what the government is looking for. And the uh, assistant director to the National Prison Service commented, the efforts of IRM shall not go unnoticed. Um, This is one of two villages where the Lord gave uh, IRM the opportunity to hold our first ever village crusade. And um, I must tell you, how wonderful it was to have enough Bibles that every villager who accepted Christ got a Bible. Thank you. But the work of the Holy Spirit was evident as God provided these ministry opportunities to three churches, two HIV groups, one reconciliation village, five prison crusades, two village crusades, one crusade for rebels, three prison pastors' trainings, five days of women's conferences. We distributed scarves, ties, and shopping bags. Because of your generous giving, we were able to distribute 4,538 Bibles and discipleship sets. But God gave the harvest. Twelve recommitments to Christ. 380 forgive your enemies decisions. As the Holy Spirit also brought to salvation. 10,545.
And just for information, please know that the prison pastors, along with prison fellowship, are the ones that give me those numbers. I don't, I don't come up with those numbers. So with God's leading and your partnership, IRM is continuing to reach the lost for Christ, provide Bibles, and discipling now those who know God's saving grace so that they might have a closer walk with him. So please pray for all those who receive God's free gift of salvation, for prison pastors who receive training and the pastor chaplain teams who will do follow-up the next year, wisdom and discernment for IRM concerning the next step in ministry, the 2011 trip and team, and how you might become more involved. Thank you. And my news newsletter is out on the table if you'd like a new newsletter. Thank you so much. Thanks, Arlene, so much. You can go ahead and take that with you. Thanks. Um, God is using Can Be New Life Foursquare Church to touch the world. Um, Something that you need to understand here is that Jesus didn't say go out and make converts. He said go and make disciples. Well, to make a disciple, first there has to be conversions, and we are so thrilled by what is happening in Rwanda. But as Arlene shared, and as you can see from Jack's and Linda's ministry, what, what our passion is, is not so. it's great to see people come to Saving Faith, but what we really want to see is those who come to Saving Faith mature in that faith and be able to reproduce that life in other people. And so this is really happening. Uh, this last trip that Arlene made, uh, we are now working in partnership with that Klamath Falls Foursquare Church. And, and we've had this prayer and this vision for several years. You know, God has used you as an evangelist. And uh, we now have a partnership with others who can come and actually help those who have come to faith grow in that faith. And that's neat to see. And as, what, as you see with Jack and Linda's ministry, what they're doing is they're, they're pouring their lives into leaders who can multiply that ministry and that training in their churches and expand throughout the Amazon region and Brazil and beyond. So um, that's what Jesus sent us to do, is to go and make disciples, which not only means leading people to Christ, but then seeing them grow and mature in that faith and that relationship. Now, there's one more missionary couple that we want to introduce to you tonight. And uh, many of you know them, some personally, some not so well. But the last couple, they couldn't be here. They're on the other side of the world right now. And uh, their names are Sean and Vita Mason. But they um, want to send a personal greeting to you. And so if we could go ahead and show that video right now, they're going to say hi to you from Lithuania. Hi, everybody. We just wanted to send our love and greetings to you. We wanted to say thank you for, as always, your continued love and prayers and support for us and the work in Albania. Uh, more than that, and the reason we're here in Lithuania, we wanted to share with you some uh, good news that has happened to our family as of about two weeks ago. So just one second. Here she is. Emma sends her greetings as well. Hopefully you can see her. <laughs> we'll just take a pause so you can all have your oohs and ahs. <laughs> her name's Eva Grace. And she was born two weeks ago yesterday. And as of today, she's an official American citizen. Soon she'll be an official Lithuanian citizen. <laughs> And then we're heading back to Albania uh, on the 2nd of August, and we look forward to getting back and being with the church there in Korcha and with the friends and family that we have there. So from the three of us, we love you, and we're thankful for the partnership you have with us and the work in Albania. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. <laughs> have a grace. Yeah. So the Albanian church has just grown by one. 
And there you see another little picture of Eva. She, uh, she's their firstborn. That's their first child. And uh, the reason, by the way, that they went to Lithuania to have the baby is because the medical care is much better there than Albania. You don't want to have babies in Albania if you can help it. And also because being born in Lithuania, she is a European Union citizen, so it helps travel in, the, in Europe go much easier. And so this is, Eva, and again, the church congregation, I think they have a slide. This is uh, the Albanian church family. Sean and Vita are just doing a marvelous job. God has blessed them as pastors and shepherds of this congregation. As you know, Kathy and I had the privilege of going to Albania in May and uh, encouraging them, preaching and teaching this church family. And they, and they just are a kindred spirit with us at New Life Foursquare Church. They're part of this church family. And so uh, they wanted to send their greetings too and uh, just uh, make sure that we don't forget who they are and where they are right now. So be praying for them. Again, they'll be heading back to Albania real soon. A couple of weeks they'll be on their way and the reason they've had to wait so long is just to get all the paperwork and passports so that they can travel with Eva. So to wrap all of this up, I want to read uh, another passage from Acts chapter 4. And then we're going to have a time of prayer over uh, Jack and Linda and Arlene and all of our missionaries. But I want to read this because it really helps us to understand after Peter and John were released from uh, their trial, I want us to read how the church responded and how they prayed, because this is the way we want to pray tonight. It says, And being let go, I'm reading in verse 23 to 31 of Acts 4, And being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Notice this by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. What the early church understood and what we need to really grasp today is that when we send missionaries out, these people are God's hands extended to another part of the world. They're part of this body, this church body, but they're, as it were, an extension of this body. They're, they're used by God to touch another part of the world. And what we want to do tonight is we want to pray for them that as they go forth from this place and they return to their mission fields, that they will understand that they are God's outstretched arm and that they will be given that power to heal with signs and wonders that they would all be filled with the Holy Spirit wherever they go, wherever they minister. Because these assignments they've been given, you do not do in your own strength. It has to be done in the Spirit of God. In the past, this church has uh, been very generous when it comes to one-time offerings. When we take special offerings for our missionaries here, you have always responded and been very generous in these one-time offerings. I think we've taken in offerings, $20,000, $30,000 as one-time gifts that we've spread out amongst these missionaries that you've heard about tonight. And that's a wonderful blessing when we do that. But I have challenged this congregation, this church family, a month or two ago. I shared a message with you. And really what I'm going to ask you to do is to change our thinking. It's great when we bless them once and then we send them on, on their way. But really what they need is ongoing monthly support. And so I'm going to ask you, as you look at your church budget or your personal family budgets and how much you spend every month, would you have a line item that says Jack and Linda on it or Sean and Vita or Arlene? You know, we have a lot of people going out from this church. I haven't even talked to you about Matthew McIntyre, who's serving the Lord in Central America right now. In three weeks, Laura Lockwood will be headed to Haiti with Foursquare Missions International. And we have people go, coming and going all the time. We, uh, some of our senior saints, Wayne and Judy Stanley, they just came back from Mexico ministering in an orphanage down there. There's a lot of ways that we're touching the world through this church family. 
So we're not going to be taking a special offering here tonight, but we always have these red boxes in the back. And what I'm going to ask you to do is if the Lord is touching your heart through these messages and these words of encouragement you've heard, these reports tonight, just to take one of these offering envelopes that you see in the seat pocket in front of you. Just write down Jack and Linda's name on that. Even if it's $20 a month or $50 a month, if everybody does a little, then their needs can be met. They can all go. Arlene can go. Sean and Vita, they can help their growing family provide for their needs. Uh, so I really pray that this has touched your heart and you've gained a vision for the harvest and that you have a part. We all have a part to play. We're all his ambassadors. Some stay, some pray, some go. We all have a part. So at this point, I want to invite Jack and Linda up on the stage and Arlene and Kathy. And we're going to pray for these and also for Sean and Vita. But I think it's worthy. they're worthy of our honor and respect if you would stand with me and just extend your hands just as a way of showing your support and appreciation for their work in the ministry in these foreign fields. So just agree with me, if you would, in this prayer. Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you have called these servants to leave their home, their family, and all that is familiar to travel to different parts of the world where they don't necessarily know the language, or the culture, but Lord, you're using these vessels, weak as they are, and through the Holy Spirit, you're touching entire nations, and you're bringing people into eternal life. You're forgiving people who have sinned terrible things. They've they've committed terrible sins, and yet, God, you redeem, and you save, and you deliver those who are in bondage, and we thank you for Jack and Linda as they've ministered in Brazil. And continue, Lord, to bless them, anoint them, and empower them for that work. And, Lord, too, for Arlene, that as she ministers in Rwanda, that, God, you would continue to open doors. And, Lord, you've said in your word, when you open a door, you open a door that no man can shut. And so, Lord, we pray that in all of these mission fields, this door will remain open. These servants will walk boldly through it. And, Lord God, that you would multiply a harvest through their labors. And, Lord, for Sean and Vita, we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen this young family. Lord, as they shoulder the weight of ministry in Korcha, Albania, Lord God, that you'd provide for their needs, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial. Lord, I pray that this church, that you would touch our hearts and you would move us, God, to become engaged in the work of the harvest. Lord, you said, lift up your eyes. It's already white unto harvest. It's past ripe. And so, God, I pray that you would move us to become involved, to pray for these servants, Lord, to provide for them financially in whatever small way we can. And, Lord, we know that you bless and multiply whatever we can give to you as a free will offering. So, Lord, we thank you for their witness, their testimony here tonight. And, Lord, too, for Ron and Annette, as they continue to minister in Germany, that you bless their labors there. And give them a time of refreshing as a family on vacation right now. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can contact the church office Tuesday through Thursday from 9 to 5 and Fridays from 9 to 3 at 503-266-4444. Please visit us on the web anytime at canbefoursquare.com. Pastor Ron and others on New Life staff along with occasional guest speakers, trust that the Holy Spirit will use the message to teach you, encourage you, and give you hope.